Hey, it's Beth here. Episode 522. This is my first episode where I've waited all week to talk to you. So I've got so much to say. First thing is it's time for the highly anticipated magazine, Home and Bathrobe. It's here and it's late and that's why you have to anticipate it. There's no other way. Okay. So started it up you know, table of contents, tabled, whatever, trying to find my editor-at-large, Diane, in Colorado somewhere. Finally got a hold of her on the phone. She finally called me back. She said, who's this Al guy and why are you listening to him? She said, I couldn't listen to your podcast, but what does Al made me do it mean? I'm like, no, Diane, it's not Al. It's AI. What did you let it, what What are you doing that for? How could, How could you be falling for that? What are you doing? AI? You're not smart enough to do AI? I said, look, she hung up on me. So anyway, I'm on my own. Okay. No big deal. No big deal, Diane. No big deal. She did give me an entertaining tip that I'll tell you. I wrote it down from two months ago. I'm going to do it now because it's all I've got. Okay. So first thing is horoscopes. And the horoscopes were good this month because they were one word. Taurus, your word is impact. All the glowing pains you've received and experienced in the past few years finally make sense in 2024. You have decided to let go of all your friends and start over. Aries, abundance is your word. Your 2024 is going to bring some major gains to your bank account, and I suggest you don't tell anyone. Okay, that's a good one. All right. Gemini, glow is your word. Last year, you felt detached, but 2024 is about finding the center stage spotlight again. You didn't even have it the first time. Glow, just glow. Just glow. Buy some lipstick and glow. Cancer, my word is renew. Okay, that's pretty good. Prepare for a huge year for your career. I don't even have a career. This is amazing as well as for cultivating a community. I don't have a community. Reaching a milestone is a lot more fun when you can celebrate it with friends. Okay, okay, I'll reach a milestone. Thanks. Leo, dream. My son's Leo, this is good. He's a great sleeper. Your 2024 brings exciting new development developments in all aspects of your life. That's true. This guy goes out every night. He has fun every day of the week. I called him one time on a Monday morning and he was at a party, a work party. I mean, so yeah, I wish he'd get more sleep. Virgo, success. Abundance planet Jupiter spends the second half of 2024 in your career and public image zone. Okay, so start working in June. Okay. Libra devotion. Expansive Jupiter spends the first half of 2024 in your shared resource sector. Is that your kitchen? Freeing you from emotional and financial burdens that you had in the past year. That doesn't even make sense. I think it's telling you you have to clip coupons. 
Scorpio, commitment. That's your word. Expansive Jupiter will spend 2024 in your partnership and shared resource sectors. I don't know what the sector business means. Nobody has a sector. Batman and Robin had a sector. Superman had a sector. You don't have a sector and I don't have a sector. People buy million dollar mansions and they don't have a sector. So just stick with commitment. Maybe you could buy a magazine subscription. They need you. Sagittarius love. This is what everybody should get. This is your year of love, Sagittarius. Okay, fine. Whether you're single or partnered, you're going to find somebody. That's awful. If you're partnered, don't go out. Don't find somebody. That's not fair. Capricorn health. That's your word. Okay, so ugh, your health sector. I don't even want to know what body part that is. Brings relief and you can take care of yourself. I think um, I don't even want to know what Capricorn's up to this month. Aquarius, authentic. That's your word. Pluto enters your sign on February 20th. Wow. Which means it's time for you to let your freak flag fly. Well, at least you're not in a sector. I don't even have a freak flag. I don't. I never even wanted to. So good luck with that, Aquarius. Pisces alignment. Okay, that's your word. That's, you better go to the body shop and check your tires. Rules. Okay, so these, okay, so in, this is going to start in the spring for you, so you can relax too. Okay, in the springtime, they want you to get a trainer because there's something wrong with your back. All right, that's all I've got. That's all. So other than that, I don't know what to tell you. So that is the fantastic horoscope section of our paper of our magazine. Okay. Now I'm moving on to what Diane told me about entertaining. She's entertaining again because she invites people over after they've had their dinner. She puts out a little bit of potato chips and some salsa and people come over. There's no dishes. There's no cooking. She likes to see them. And I believe that's true because after I cook a meal, I'm so exhausted. I don't even, I'm resentful and bitter about the people I cooked for because my feet are killing me. So she says, forget it. Just forget everything. Just go right to the chase. And she does game night, which I would never do. But I feel like if there's enough dip and salsa, which I would probably have a dip and salsa and a bunch of chips, because I'm like an amazing hostess, like, like nobody's business, like Martha Stewart. It would probably even be artichoke uh, spinach. I'd figure it out. I think it's cream cheese. Diane would say, while we're doing it. By the time I figure out the recipe and get all the ingredients at the store and get home and make it, I'll be exhausted and I'll resent everyone who walks in the door. She says, buy a bottle of salsa, the chips, three days before they come. And then you're so excited because you just put them out. You didn't do anything. Get the lights low and nobody even knows it's dirty or whatever. She said, it's great. People just come. They want to have fun. That's what we should do. That's what I should have done 20 years ago. That's what I'm going to do now. But I don't really know people to invite over. My sector is like unsected. I have to think about it. I don't know my neighbors. So anyway, but if I ever meet one, I'm going to invite them over after dinner for dinner. 
That'll be great. It'll count as dinner, but I won't serve dinner. She's, she is a genius. She very much is. Okay. Now we're going to move on to what I did, which is brilliant. Okay. I had a down comforter, right? Okay. Fine. Uh, we have that bed now where Kit's side is up, you know, the Tempur-Pedic. And my side is down and we don't put it down every day. We used to do that. I'm exhausted. I am, I am so tired. So that comforter looks stupid. So I bought this other like fake comfort, comforter, very thick. It is Ralph Lauren, but it's not down or anything, but it's got a little, it, like you could, you could stand it in the corner and it stands up. So I put that on the bed and then I got these two pillows that match it, you know, huge ones. My old pillows, I put it all on the bed and it's so confusing. Like you think you're not looking at one side of the bed being up and one side of the bed being down. When I decorate from now on, I want to make the people who are looking at what I've done wonder if they're crazy or not. If they're seeing things, I want it to be their problem if, if they don't like it. They think they're doing something wrong. So this is great because, and I just throw this thing on the bed and, and I don't even really perfectly, you know, get the sheet right. Cause this thing is like, I don't, it's like a snow, it's like, you know what it is? It's like a snowfall. You know, when the snow falls outside and it covers up all the old cars and dead tires and debris and everything looks snowy, perfect and clean. That's what this bedspread does. And I'm not working very hard, which is what I want. So then I've got, you know, beauty. Okay. Beauty is sleeping. Sleeping is like, I look 10 years younger. If I got a good night's sleep, when I tell you this, you're probably going to die. I did tell you about using my bathrobe belt over my eyes. It's a black bathrobe to block out all of the light because I sleep like a mole. I looked it up. There are all these animals. Some people sleep like a lion on their back. Mole is like just hiding in a little hole in, in the dark. That is truly my, I guess a mole is my spirit animal. Okay. But I have a new trick. I spray a little perfume right in front of me, get a little mood going. And then Santa Claus got me a Steve, tiny giraffe. If I ever meet another newborn, I'm going to get this for him or her. It's the cutest thing. They could get their little arm, their little hand around the neck. I use it in bed every night. And I think I'm regressing. And there's a lot of good things about being a toddler. They know what they're doing. They sleep great. Every morning I wake up and no matter what position I've been in all night, that little guy is still right in my hand or right under my chest. I've regressed in a beautiful way to a sleep that is like out, just like a baby. I don't look 10 years younger, but I look six months younger. And that's a start. So I would say for us in our age group, you know, all those creams on Facebook or whatever, great. Do them if you want. Sleep is the thing. Otherwise, I look like I have just been crying for an hour. My eyes either look sad or almost normal. Almost normal is what I'm shooting shooting for every day. So that's my beauty regime. Okay, cooking at home. Ah, you know, I was going to make some cauliflower soup. 
And then I realized, Kit won't touch it, and I'll have to eat eight bowls of this. I just want one, just one bowl. So I'm not falling for it anymore. It's just like Dorothy Parker said when she was asked the definition of eternity. She said, the definition of eternity is two people and a ham. My definition is one person and a vat of cauliflower cream soup. I'm not falling for it. I'm, I'll just wait till I go out and I see it on the menu somewhere. I can wait. Not cooking. Not falling for any of it. Not even buying groceries. I'm not going to eat that much of anything. I get sick of it by day three. Every day I have to do bran buds or whatever they're called for health reasons. I don't want to eat anything else every single day of the rest of my life. So cooking, I'm done. I just make stuff that Kit will eat. It's great. I'm out of the business. That's it. I get a lobster. I'll get a lobster, a little lobster shell go out of my mind and it's gone. And I wish I had more. That's the feeling I want. So that's that. What I know for sure is I'm not giving anybody any advice ever again from now because I've been wrong. That's why I don't want to wake up at night. I wake up at night and I think about the advice I gave people that was wrong. Really, really wrong. I mean, some of it's funny. Like when Matt was a little boy, he had trouble with his friend. His friend stole money to buy uh, some candy in the machine. Okay, they're at the club. All these little boys are around, right? His best friend. Best friend lied. Another friend told him the truth. He comes home and he tells me this story. I'm like, Moses, right? Listening. Solomon. That's who I am. I said, why don't you call up Grant and ask him what he was feeling? He calls up Grant. He says, Grant, what were you feeling when he did that? Grant screams, screams at him. What are you, quarter bait? It's a long time ago, 30 years ago. That's how people talked. He was devastated. He came into my room. He goes, mom, that was the worst advice in the world. He said, I love you, but I'm going to ask dad for advice from now on because I want to be a man. But that just tells you, that's my track record. That's how wrong I can be. And I think I'm doing the best. And I'm not. So now I just ask people, what do you want to do? What do you think you should do? Or I tell them they'll figure it out. And I just listen. That's what I know for sure. That's the magazine. I got to move on because got to get to the blue hair review. This is what I wanted to do. Ever since Thursday, I have been unable to sleep, even with my little giraffe, Jerome, and my scented and my belt buckle. All of that worked great till Argyle. Oh my God. What a nightmare of a movie. Wow. What a bait and switch. It looks like it's Henry Cavall. It's like the previews are not at all what the movie is. And it's so sad because Bryce Dallas Howard, I can't stand saying that name, Dallas Bryce Howard, whatever it is. She's not, she doesn't look like Dua Lupa in the beginning in that, in that yellow dress. It's just, 
And then she's supposed to be in love with Sam Rockwell, who's tinier than she is. And she's not thin in the movie. And I really feel like this director, Matthew Vaughn, who did all the Kingsmen and Layer Cake and all that, and is married to Claudia Schiffer. He trains the camera on Bryce Dallas Howard's rear end a little too much and for no reason. And that beautiful yellow dress that you see in the preview and Dula Lupa is doing that amazing move. They find it, they put Bryce in this very same position in a dress that's yellow, same color, and it looks like Grandma Moses' prom dress. It Nobody should wear this dress. She should have said in the movie, I'm not wearing it. And she should have told Sam because they had had an affair earlier. And obviously she was thinner earlier. She should have said because she did in her in all her interviews, I'm so much stronger since I'm not dieting and on laxatives, which she said in her interviews. We could have had a stronger. There was, when Melissa McCarthy does it, when she's in movies, she's telling the joke. In this one, the joke was on Bryce Dallas Howard. And it was unfair. And really, Melissa, who's the joke really on? Because she's in a wonderful marriage, has two great kids, and she controls everything around her. This movie, oh, it was so sad. And now all, any, all anybody talks about in interviews, and she won't do them anymore. This Dallas Bryce Howard or Bryce Howard Dallas, whatever her name is, I can't stand saying it. All they want to talk about is her weight. It was, it was really, it seemed abusive. And I was fat in high school and I know how it feels. I'm not, I'm not making it up. They didn't ever get the light right on her or anything. And she looks so stupid next to Sam. And I love Sam. And he was in a movie like this with Anna Kendrick, who was tinier than he was. And they look great together. I'm just saying her head was bigger than his head. And I don't mind it. Like, you know, in Bullwinkle, Natasha and um, what was that guy's name? The little Russian guy. I don't mind it. Boris and Natasha. I don't mind it if the guy's wide and shorter. But when he's smaller than her, it just can't be romantic. And I mean, their love scenes were, there was no chemistry. I mean, there was no chemistry on the planet. There was nothing. And just don't see it. Don't give it money. It was mean. Just absolutely the meanest, most rotten movie I've ever seen. Watch it when it gets on Netflix, and I swear you're going to have to take a nap in between. You're going to have to take a rest because it's so hard to deal with. Okay? My pet peeve this month is a call to arms with all of us. I went to my friend's. My little neighbor boy is on a basketball team. I went to his basketball game, middle school, sat next to his mother. I will tell you, if you haven't been, this is a brand, a brand new middle school. The gymnasium looked 50 years old and it smelled 50 years old. Same humidity, same ick, unbelievable, brand new building. I don't know how they do it. So they must rescue old gymnasiums from Indiana and bring them down here to Texas. 
It was hideous. Even the seats were the same and the same clunky sounds every time you move. Absolutely amazing, but it was hot. Okay. And I'm sleeveless. And Dion, this little boy's mother, keeps looking at me and saying, aren't you cold? Like, no, I'm the opposite of cold. She keeps looking at my upper arms and now even my lower arms willing me to put my coat on. And this is the thing. We are relegated to always having to wear sleeves. I am hot. I don't know why this is the only thing that is still unsightly in the world. Everyone else is allowed to do anything they want. But we got to put Miss Marple in a long sleeve shirt when it's 106 degrees or she's in a sweaty gymnasium. I, I'm not going to do it. And I really look around and everybody's doing it. Because it's unsightly, how could this be the most unsightly thing in the world? I know it reminds people about, you know, death or whatever, and I get it. But why are you blaming it on me? I'm not making my arms do it. My arms are doing it by themselves. There's nothing I can do about it. But I'm not going to wear sleeves. And I'm really getting looked at. And I really don't care. Just want you to think about it. Maybe you can join me. I think... I think it would be better if I had some help here. Okay. Now, that's my pet peeve. I got it off my chest. Okay, fine. Now there's nothing on my chest. Nothing. Okay. News hound. All right. This is crazy. This is crazier than conscious uh, uncoupling, uncoupling, which I think is probably a very hard thing to do. But you should do it if you have kids. I think it's great. This one is unnecessary. That one's necessary. Thank you, Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm all for it. This one is called Ethical Non-Monogamy. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, really? You both, both want to do this. You're married. And you and your wife, after five years of marriage, just simultaneously, on the very same night, agree that we want to be ethical non-monogamous. I'm like, no. It's this article about this woman. Her name is Molly Road. She wrote a book called More of a Memoir of an Open Marriage. She goes on and on, on and on and on. Finally, in the last paragraph, the interviewer called the husband. And the husband said in the interview, she says it's tongue-in-cheek. I'm thinking, no, it's not. I think it's noose around my neck, not tongue-in-cheek, when he says he was losing his will to live. I do not believe that when people do that, friends with benefits, I think one of them is just waiting out the other and hoping something more develops. It's impossible to find two people who were married and thought it was monogamous come up with ethical non-monogamy at the same time. Not buying it. Appreciate that guy saying he lost his will to live. Because I would too, especially if she wrote a book about it. And going on about it, I'd be embarrassed to face my family or my friends or any, my dog. I'd be embarrassed to face my dog. Okay, so here's just a question that's been bugging me when I wake up in, in the middle of the night. How come no one gets lost in the Bermuda Triangle anymore? 25 years ago, it was a big thing. Boats were getting lost in the Bermuda Triangle all the time. 
I haven't heard a word about it in 15 years. I woke up the other night. I'm like, what happened to the Bermuda Triangle? Nobody, nobody can tell me. Nobody knows. Nobody. Okay. So now I got the news hound, which I usually do on Sunday or Monday. This is a pretty good time. Okay. A really cute story that I've been hoarding since December 24th about this guy who learned how to talk to his grandmother. His grandmother's my age. For decades, he had this relationship with his grandmother where he'd, he'd get a birthday card in the mail and they'd have a phone call on Christmas and they'd do this little so song and dance that was so polite and so practiced that it seemed like breast bless you after sneezing. They call it gray speak, elder speak. It's a shift in a way we address elders that treats them less like sages and more like toddlers or pets. That's true. Did you see the rain today? Was your dinner yummy? Oh my God. I don't want that at all. I will get a pop gun and I will pop that guy with a pop gun. I still think pop guns are legal. I mean, I'll put like a potato gun because there's potatoes at nursing homes. I will get a potato gun and I will hide it. And the first person who speaks to me about my yummy dinner, I'm going to hit him with my potato gun. I'm going to, and they'll never know. I'll hit him in the back on their way out with a potato gun and they'll find a potato in their hair. This will be great because I'm not going to put up with this. So this is what this guy did on his visits after a while because it got really lonely and he wished he could talk to his grandmother. So he said, he asked her this question one day and he said, what did you do with your first paycheck? Well, she remembers what happened back then. She gave him this amazing story. And then she said, then he asked another question. What did you think about when you were hiding in the caves during World War II? Okay, so she's older than me. Okay, fine. She, she must be 105. Wow. Okay, so that's a good one. <laughs> this woman must be 116 because the next question is, what did you think when you got running water? This is December 24th, 2023. It seems like it should be December 24th, 1969. But it's not. Okay. Anyway, the premise is still good. Ask your grandmother, your mother, or ask your son to ask you a good question. They got funnier and funnier. She started relaxing with him. I'm trying to do this with my son. I'm trying to tell him I'm a real person. I told him about my stuffed animal and how I was regressing. I might have took I might have taken a wrong turn with that. I might I might pull back a little bit on that one. And come up with better stuff. But she she didn't she doesn't think sugar um or chocolate are have any calories in them because they're just flavoring. See, I love this lady. So the thing is, you get with someone, anyone maybe, even just somebody that's blathering on the plane, and you ask them, What did you do with your first paycheck? Everybody has a good story about that one. So now he visits his grandmother much more often and they're really good friends. And she asked him, what did you do with your first paycheck? 
and he's becoming more interesting too. So it goes back and forth. Okay, so now this woman, and this is in the paper just this week, she gave birth and she's in a beauty pageant. Okay, so she's got eight kids. She's in her 30s. And I think this is mean. Three months after she had this baby, she's in a bathing suit on stage in this Mrs. America contest. So they call her a trad wife. Now, if you hear trad wife out there in the world, it's internet shorthand for traditional wife. Okay. We don't want that. But Hillary Duff and Jennifer Gardner, Garner love this woman. Her name is Joanna, Joanna Gay Gaines. Oh, no, no. Her name is Miss Needleman. And she is like a person named Joanna Gaines. I don't really understand that. I'm not really with it a hundred percent, but it's crazy. She, she the, Miss Ireland, Mrs. Ireland could leg press 600 pounds in this competition. These women don't look like they even weigh 60 pounds at all. Any of them. They're all thin. They're all beautiful, but this is what we have to do now. The funny thing about it was this woman named Mrs. Miss Marmal. She's really down to earth and she has three competitions, Mrs. World, Mrs. Universe, and Mrs. Pageant, Mrs. America, Mrs. America, and Miss, Mrs. World. She's in, in Las Vegas making a fortune with all these competitions that go on all year round. Everybody has to pay to be in these competitions. But I don't know why a woman with that many babies has to feel like she has to do anything else. And she does kind of feel like she has to do something else. She does feel like she needs to prove to the world that a woman who has, I'm counting them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven children and just had another baby has to do more, has to be more evolved. I'm like, you don't get more evolved than that. Nobody does. That's enough already. That's overachieving anyway. You don't need to be more. What is the matter with these girls? You already have everything. What is the game? What is this that you're proving? She's in this proving thing. She should be home with her kids. She's got her, she's breastfeeding on a little chair in the back during the competition in a gown, in high heels with her hair perfect. I'm like, go home, go home, put the TV on, relax, have a snack, have some coffee cake. It's three o'clock in the morning. What is happening? Anyway, she's, well, she's not crazy. She, I just don't get it. I don't get why everybody has to be so amazing now. I really don't. But here's one. Okay, Tony, this is a great obituary. A great obituary. Tony Stern, 79, a California poet who provided all the words to the songs on the Tapestry album by Carol King. Now, I thought Carol King had done all that, but no, this Tony had. And they, this is really great. The two hit it off immediately. Okay. She was a painter. She lived in Laurel Canyon where, where back in the sixties when everybody was living there, even, um, you know, Ozzy, what Nelson's son, Ricky Nelson, everybody was there all different ages. She was there. 
She comes from a great family. She wrote a poem, one poem. Her friend, who knew Carol King, called up Carol King. They hit it off immediately. Her very first album was this. And she wrote, It's too late. Stayed at a, in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here. There can be no denying. One of us is changing, or maybe we just stop trying. Carol King saw that. She went crazy. Absolutely crazy, knowing it would be the hit of all time. And it is. And the funny thing is, Tony Stern never, ever stayed in bed all morning. She was up and crazy every single minute of her life. She had her husband. She was very happy. They never had kids. She lived a completely wonderful life, and she never... She never did another album. It wasn't her thing, is what she said. She wrote every now and then poetry books, I'm going to look them up, and just went on with her life. I mean, she nailed it, created history, and just walked away. And she's really, really cute. So I think that's amazing. Talk about having it all. And she started on an up, she said. She started on the pinnacle of up and she ended on the pinnacle of up. What a way to do it. It was all over in months and it lasted a lifetime. And she should have been at the award ceremonies with Carol King and she wasn't. I mean, I would have liked, like, like, um, Brittany Topin and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This is what happens when you get older. Oops, oops. Oops, I can see his face, of course. Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, Tiny Dancer. You know, I'll get back to it. Okay, so that's that. Now, my snapshot is going to be about past things that happened that keep me up at night. The one thing that keeps me up right now is this is exactly the day years and years ago that my dreams were shattered with Eric Clapton. Okay. So what happened was I would meet with these girls for lunch all the time. No one had seen Eric Clapton in our lives. We were looking over our lives ever. One of the girls, which was me said, you know, he has a rehab center in um, the Caribbean. Maybe we could test positive for drugs and go to his rehab center. He goes there once a year, at least to put himself back together. We could go. One of us was married to a psychiatrist. We could go. We could do poppy seeds or whatever, test positive for drugs and go down there. And the plan started getting some momentum until I realized it was wrong. It was absolutely wrong to do that. So what we did instead is I wrote a screenplay about it. And it was called Pursuing Eric. And the story went that I had these four friends and they'd never met Eric Clapton and they wanted to. And they were going to go to the rehab center and realize it was wrong. In this story, one of the girls married to a doctor. They're both in their 40s. He's gorgeous. She's going through menopause. And Layla, which was their theme song, the lyrics are twisted. And he has her on her knees because he's having an affair with a younger woman. So all the music was twisted up because time twists up everything. 
And so anyway, got it to a producer. I have an agent, I had an agent, got it to a producer in London. They were going to go with it. Eric read it. He only had an agent. Oh no, he had a, he didn't have an agent. He had a lawyer taking care of all of his business. The lawyer read it, gave it to Eric. Eric liked it. Eric was going to Hollywood to meet with the Columbia records because he had to do some more, um, concerts. And he said he was going to hand it to the movies and get us a green light. Oh my gosh. This really happened exactly like this. I had to go through all of January waiting for him to go. And then he went and he comes back. And what happened in the Columbia record, he was having a little trouble because he didn't want to go on tour because he was tired. And he had this wife with all these babies, like three little girls. So it was a little contentious. Then the Columbia Records guy goes, what else are you here for? He says, I've got this screenplay. I'm taking it over and I think it's great. And the record guys go, you can't do that, Eric. He goes, why not? Because you're an icon. An icon. Icon. I hate that word. Get a letter from Eric Clapton when we get back from his lawyer. And it says, Eric has decided to err on the side of caution. The one time in his entire life that he's going to err on the side of caution. And it's about me. And it was all gone. Bernie Tobin. Oh my gosh, I just had it. And I just lost it. Oh my gosh. Elton John. Elton John. See, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. Okay. But that's my, that's my snapshot. All right. Terrible story. That would have been it. That would have changed everything. Changed everything. People would have been asking me for all my other screenplays and there's 20 of them. But Eric Clapton has to err on the side of caution. Oh, okay. So I'm going to leave us all on a good note. I'm going to bring jokes back. I'm going to give you a joke every week, a clean one. And they're all going to be from Jean-Luc, that professional bum at the United Nations building that my father knew. He was so classy from France, dressed well, was right in front of the UN, talked to everybody and gave people a joke to lighten their load that they could tell because everything they were doing in there was, was argumentative. This guy had a house in Great Neck, put his kid through Loyola University. Unbelievable. He had the best handshake, looked right in your eyes and told you the funniest joke. Okay, I'll start with this one. Okay. And, and he made them short because they had to be. People don't have time in the United Nations building for jokes. So this was this is one of his jokes. Okay, so there's this young couple. Oh my God. They're doing it right. They're waiting till they get married, right? Finally, the day comes. Their wedding. They're giving their speeches really quick. All they want to do is get on the cruise ship. Be alone. They've waited. They're going, they got to get in a taxi, you know, out of St. Pat's, in a cab. Don't even want to go to the dinner. Everybody thinks it's hilarious. They let them go. They're so madly in love. So madly in love. On the way out, the husband goes, oh my God. Oh my God. 
I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm so new to this. I need condoms. We don't want to have a baby right away, do we? She goes, no, we want to be in love for like a year. Okay. They drop off. Tells the cab, cab driver, stop at the nearest drugstore. She looks at her husband in the backseat. She goes, oh my God, you know what I'm really afraid of? It happens all the time when I'm on um, roller coasters and rowboats. I get seasick. He's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to our trip? She said, it's going to be okay. Just get me some Dramamine. This newlywed goes into the drugstore, looks at the guy behind the counter. He goes, oh my God, I need a box of condoms and nine packages of Dramamine. The guy goes, a box of condoms and nine boxes of Dramamine? He grabs the guy's hand. He goes, listen, buddy, if it makes you that sick, why are you doing it? So that's my joke. That's what I've got. This is my first podcast once a week. I will be back next Wednesday between two and four and um, with more stuff that I've been hoarding and waiting to tell you. And I'm going to stay sane. I want you to stay sane. And I'll miss you all week. I'll be back. Thanks. Bye-bye. They fly so high Near the reach